We are almost finished with our series on Moses, Ordinary Man, Extraordinary God. Next Sunday is the last Sunday in our series. We're going to look uh, next Sunday at Moses' life and his legacy. But I want to begin by setting side by side, um, or if you're Canadian, side by each, uh, Moses and Jesus. So we'll put that slide up. So we're, we're going to compare the two today. Uh, how does Moses uh, compare? How are they similar? Uh, how are they alike? And how are they different? How are they uh, not alike? Uh, so in Deuteronomy 16:15, put that up here. Here's one of Moses' last speeches. Here's what he said. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. Okay? Let that soak in. Jesus is the one that Moses was talking about here. Okay? He's saying, be on the lookout because someone is coming, a prophet, who's going to be quite similar to me. So be on the lookout. Okay? So just want to spend a little bit of time now talking about in what ways are Moses and Jesus similar. And by the way, you can Google this and you can get as many as 40 similarities. But I just want to give you a, a little bit of an example. Okay, here we go. How are Moses and Jesus similar? I'll give you 10 examples. Okay, Henry, can you handle 10? Okay. Uh, the Israelites experienced 400 dark years of bondage in Egypt until Moses was born and came to rescue them. So it was 400 years. Between the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament, there were 400 dark years of silence from God until Jesus was born, who came to save and rescue us from slavery to sin. Uh, second similarity, during the time of Moses, Pharaoh ordered a mass killing of every Hebrew child. Do you remember that? During the time of Jesus, King Herod ordered a mass killing of every Hebrew baby under the age of two years old. So you got that similarity. Uh, third similarity between Moses and Jesus, Moses was born without shelter laid into a straw-thatched basket, floated down the river where he was picked up by Egyptian royalty. Jesus was born without shelter, laid into a straw filled with a uh, straw-filled stable, and then he was visited by Eastern royalty, the wise men. Fourth similarity, Moses, Jesus. Moses was raised in royalty, but he left his position of power to serve and save an enslaved people. Jesus was royalty in heaven, left his position of power and glory to serve and save an enslaved world. Fifth similarity, Moses, Jesus. Moses went through the wilderness and was unsure of his ministry before he began his ministry to redeem the Israelites from Egypt. Jesus, he went through the wilderness, did he not? And was tempted by Satan before he began his ministry to redeem the whole world. 
Six similarity between Moses and Jesus. Both Moses and Jesus perform miracles, wonders, and signs as proof. They really were legit and sent by God. Moses turned water into blood. Jesus turned water into what? Yep, you got it. Uh, Moses parted the Red Sea. Jesus calmed the Sea of Galilee. Seventh similarity, uh, Moses initiated the Passover lamb to absorb the wrath of God. Jesus is the final and ultimate Passover lamb who fully absorbed the wrath of God for sin once and for all. Eighth similarity between Moses and Jesus. Moses brought the Israelites out of slavery to Egypt. Jesus brought the Israelites and the whole world uh, out of slavery to sin and death. Okay, ninth similarity. Moses carried the law and he pointed to the gospel. Jesus fulfilled the law and Jesus is the gospel. He really is, okay? Tenth and final similarity, Moses, Jesus. Moses chose 12 spies, one representative from each of the tribes, go scout out the promised land as a future home for the Israelites. Jesus, he chose 12 disciples, and he sent them out to proclaim a better promised land, our future home in heaven, okay? Some of you are thinking, okay, I get it. There's some similarities. Uh, there's some connections between Moses and Jesus. But uh, what are we doing here, Pastor Jeff? Why is this so important uh, that we compare Moses and Jesus? Would you locate with me in the New Testament, the book of Hebrews, chapter 3, either in your Bible or on your phone, where uh, God's Word, inspired, compares Moses and Jesus. And here's what's interesting when you compare Moses and Jesus every time. Jesus wins. Okay? Jesus is greater. Jesus is better. Uh, Jesus is the one that gets lifted up high. Okay? And as we read, we're going to read out loud verses 1 to 6, Hebrews chapter 3. Again, we're going to recognize, you know what? Moses was a really good and even maybe a great man. But Jesus, our Savior and Lord, he's awesome. Would you stand with me? Let's read out loud together. Verses 1 to 6, Hebrews chapter 3. This is God's word. Here we go. And so, dear brothers and sisters who belong to God and are partners with those called to heaven... Think carefully about this Jesus, whom we declare to be God's messenger and high priest. For he was faithful to God, who appointed him, just as Moses served faithfully when he was entrusted with God's entire house. But Jesus deserves far more glory than Moses, just as a person who builds a house deserves more praise than the house itself. For every house has a builder, but the one who built everything is God. Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. His work was an illustration of the truths God would reveal later. But Christ, as the Son, 
is in charge of God's entire house, and we are God's house. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your book. <laughs> it's inspired. It's alive. It uh, applies to our lives, and we give you praise for not only inspiring it and getting it written down, but, Lord, for preserving it so that we have it to learn and grow and be challenged and become more like your son through it. So I'm asking that that would happen even today. Meet us here today in your church. Lord, help us to dig into your book, but help us to do it with your eyes and your heart and your mind. Now, Lord, we just want to pause for a few moments because we got some family members who need us as a church family to keep lifting them up. We lift up Mike and Marty Clark. Lord, uh, thank you that Mike is out of ICU and doing some better. But Lord, he also got word that uh, COVID has uh, taken root in that body and now he can't have any visitors. So I pray for Mike that uh, you would make your presence and your love very real to Mike and to Marty and the entire family even now. I lift up Kim Matz, who's down with her dad, Carlton, right now. And I lift up Carlton and his wife, Bonnie, and Kim, and give them grace and strength and, and comfort. Lord, this is a hard time. So uh, you do a mighty work there. And uh, Lord, with that same family, we want to stop and say thanks for protecting Samantha this last week. Thank you, Lord, that she's with us right now and doing great. Uh, and it could have been awful, but Lord, we give you praise for protecting her. And, and I suspect that's true with many of us. We were maybe even in situations we didn't even know how much danger we were in. And you protected, and we want to say thank you. Thanks for being awesome. We love you. Uh, speak loud now as we worship you by studying your book. And all the church family at Wallow Lake said with one united voice, be seated. Comparison is a really good way to build our minds up, especially it brings confidence and assurance regarding our faith in Jesus. It really does. So comparison is a powerful tool in our tool belt for Jesus followers when we set Jesus side by side with anything else in our lives. I'm telling you, Jesus always comes up looking really good. Compare Jesus with any relationship. Compare Jesus with any other religion. Compare Jesus with any other philosophy. Compare Jesus with our best possessions. I'm telling you, carefully compare Jesus against anything or anybody. And just like Hebrews says, Jesus is better. Jesus is greater. Jesus is by far the best. And that's his point here in Hebrews chapter 3. So let's dig in a little bit, okay? The writer of Hebrews is talking to Jewish Christians and Jewish considering Jesus, like they're close. And even those who've been exposed to Jesus, but they're really unsure. That's the recipients of the letter that we call Hebrews, okay? So he's writing, and he's trying to show them, hey, I know you think a lot of Moses, but I just want you to know something. Jesus is better. 
That, that's the theme of the book of Hebrews. Jesus is way better. And, and these Jews, they thought Moses was the best of the best. Most of these Jews in this time, they would look at Moses and say he was the best human ever, ever. And some even said, we think Moses is even better than the angels. So this Moses that we know of, we think so highly of him. And now the writer is going to lay down side by side Moses and Jesus. He says, let's do some comparison. So that's what we're going to do right now. Look at verse 3, Hebrews chapter 3. But Jesus deserves far more glory than Moses. Just as a person who builds a house deserves more praise than the house itself. Can I get an amen from you, Aaron, there? There you go. Yeah. If you build the house, that's even more impressive than the house itself. Okay? That's his idea. Jesus deserves more glory than Moses. Moses uh, was a participant in the house, but Jesus is greater and Jesus is the greatest man in all the Bible. Go back, verse 4. For every house has a builder, but the one who built everything is who? It's, it's God, okay? Who built everything in the universe? God, God. So I want you to just hold your spot here and uh, go back to Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. I want to show you what he says about Jesus. Hebrews 1 Verse 3 says this, the Son, who's the Son? Who's the Son? God the Son is Jesus. Jesus radiates God's glory and expresses the very character of God. And he, Jesus, sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. Okay? Now just pause for a moment and let that soak in. If you see Jesus, you see God. Jesus is the full expression of the Father. Slide down to verse 8, Hebrews 1. It says, Your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. You, you, you rule with a scepter of justice. Okay? Now, I just want to pause. This is God the Father speaking to God the Son here. Okay? Verse 8 this is God the Father talking to Jesus the Son. And he says this, Your throne, Jesus, your God, and it's going to endure forever and ever. Who's the one who's going to sit on the throne? Who are we going to worship day and night? It's Jesus. It's the Lamb. Okay, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. The author of Hebrews is not shy here. That's what we need to get. He's shouting to his readers, Jesus is God. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. Jesus is the one who endures forever and ever and ever. Guess who's ruling and reigning over the universe right now, 2022? Who is it? It's Jesus. You, you, oh God, you're the one who rules and reigns, okay? Your throne endures forever and ever. A popular inclusive idea that uh, we often hear is this. It doesn't matter whether you're a Christian or a Muslim or a Jew, 
It doesn't really matter. We're all praying to the same God. How many of you have heard that before? Okay, because that's pretty popular right now. doesn't matter because it's all the same God because we all claim the same history. Might differ a little bit on some of the details, but we all claim that our religion traces back to Abraham. Okay, that's how this argument goes. So if Abraham's God is the God of the Jews and the Muslims and the Christians then don't we all really worship the same God? Aren't we all really one and all three uh, religions are really one with a few of the details slightly different? And the answer to that is no, no. We don't worship the same God and here's why, okay? Abraham's God revealed himself as Jesus Christ. You get that right here, okay? and reconciled the world to himself through Jesus Christ. That, that's the key. Only Jesus reveals God to us. Only Jesus reconciles God the Father to humanity. So, if you don't believe in Jesus as God, then you don't pray to the same God as we pray to, okay? And you don't have a relationship with the same God as we do. It's through Jesus Christ that we can know God and are reconciled to God. John 17 and verse 3 says it this way. And this is the way to have eternal life. To know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. Your representative. The one who, who represents you. John 1 verse 14 says it this way. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we've seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. And his name is? And his name is? It's all about Jesus. Okay? It really is. If you ever want to know a cult, find out what they believe about Jesus. Find out what their view of Jesus is. That tells you everything. Our two greatest needs in life, revelation from God and reconciliation with God. Chew on that for a minute. We need to hear from God and we need to go to God. Okay? We need a word from God and we need a way to God. That's our greatest need. We need to hear from God that we can know what he's like and know what he wants from us. And we need a way to God because like Pastor Jason talked last week, sin separates us from a righteous, holy God. Okay? Sin separates us from God. There's this chasm, this canyon, this gap. You got us, uh, a sinful, prone-to-wander rebellious people and holy righteous God and I'm telling you that gap is troubling because now how do we get to have a relationship with holy God listen close only Jesus can meet our two greatest needs only Jesus reveals God to us and only Jesus reconciles and bridges the gap and allows us to know God the Father through God the Son, Jesus Christ. 
And, and he's essential. Without Jesus, we don't know God. We don't know what he wants. We have no relationship. And, and by the way, he reconciles, bridges the gap, and it says brings us eternal life. Eternal life. That's what Jesus offers. Which is why one of our core values here as a church here at Walloon, Jesus is our everything. He's the main thing we talk about, the one we lift up highest, the one we point pe people to the most. Okay? It's true. It's, he's, he's everything. If you want to say, what is Walloon Church? We're kind of Jesus crazy. We're Jesus focused. We're all about Jesus. Jesus is better. Jesus is greater. Jesus is the one we love and worship with our everything. Amen? Okay. I want to show you one more contrast, okay? Or comparison between Moses and Jesus. Uh, if you have your Bible or on your phone, go to Numbers chapter 21 with me, would you please? Because Jehovah God has already, in Numbers... Um, delivered the children of Israel from bondage. How did he do that? Through these miraculous plagues, um, through the Passover. What did he do there? Um, he had them, each and every Hebrew family took a lamb without spot or blemish, smeared the blood of that lamb, sacrificed that lamb, put it over the doorframe of their home, and then when the death angel come, came, excuse me, passed right over, passed right over. He then took them out and began leading them. He led them to the Red Sea. Do you remember that? And they're standing at the Red Sea, and the Egyptian army is about to come down on top of them. The Lord opens up the Red Sea. They walk through on dry ground, maybe as many as three million Jews walking through. And now they're on the other side. What does the Lord do? Egyptian army comes thundering through, and Moses says, I'm going to drop my staff. And the Lord, boom, all the Egyptian army, all of the chariots, all of the horses, and all of the soldiers, they're gone. They're wiped out. So they just saw that. Then they're led by the Lord, uh, cloud by day, a blaze of fire at night. And how did they eat? Do you recall? There was uh, manna every morning, and then he added some quail at night, morning and night, okay? So he's been doing all of these awesome things, but now they're tired. Did you notice when you get tired, we get a little cranky? Anybody get tired? When you get tired, you get a little cranky, a little whiny, uh, a little complaining, okay? Well, that's exactly what's happening here in Numbers 21. Um, we're tired of the manna and the quail. Okay, peanut butter and jelly every day. I've had enough. I've had enough. Uh, I want to go back to Egypt. My feet are tired. I've been walking. Uh, I suspect many of them were catching mosquitoes at night. I want to go home. I've had enough. Whining, complaining, grumbling. Okay, uh, what does the Lord do in response to the whining, complaining, grumbling of the children of Israel? Okay, go to verse 4. Here's what it says. Then the people of Israel set out from Mount Hor, taking the road to the Red Sea, to go around the land of Edom. 
but the people grew impatient. How many of you are strong in the area of patience? That's not my hand up with the long journey. And they began to speak against God and Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness? They complained. There's nothing to eat here and nothing to drink. No, they had water. They had manna and quail, but it feels like nothing. And we hate this horrible manna. Verse 6. Interesting. So the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people, and many were bitten and died. Then the people came to Moses and cried out, "Um, Mo, we've sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take away the snakes. (laughs) And if I was Moses, (laughs) I don't think so. I don't think so. If you die, you whining, complaining. But Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord told him, hey, Moses, here's the solution. Make a replica of a poisonous snake. Attach it to a pole. All who are bitten will live if they simply look at it. So Moses made a snake out of bronze, attached it to a pole. Then anyone who was bitten by a snake could look at the bronze snake and be healed. That is a wild story. And uh, aren't aren't you glad the Lord doesn't send poisonous snakes our way, Pastor Brant? Pastor Brant hates snakes. I think most of us do too. Okay. Whining, complaining, grumbling. The Lord says, okay, okay, you want to be that way? I've provided, I've done awesome things. I'm going to I'm gonna allow these snakes to come and bite. And some of them died. Okay? So now they suddenly get religion. And suddenly now they're real interested. Uh, Moses, we're, we're sorry, that was sin. That whining, complaining, grumbling... That was sin. We were wrong. Uh, Please save us. And how, how are they going to get saved? How are they going to avoid dying from being bitten by snakes that were poisonous and they were about to die? Okay? I want to bring my little friend back out here. I've brought him several times. Okay? Um, The solution... The prescription for being bitten by a poisonous snake was Moses fashioned a snake out of bronze and then he lifted it high on a pole. And now here's the instructions. If you get bit, uh, you need to have faith in God's solution. And I didn't think of this, Moses is saying. God thought of this. And this is his idea. So if you get bit by a poisonous snake, look and live. (laughs) Look at the snake and believe that you're not going to die. Look and live. And that's exactly what they did. Okay? Do you you think many of them had any hesitancy when they got bit? Uh, Instantly, I'm going to look. I'm going to believe that now I have a solution. The bronze snake was God's solution for the people who were whining, complaining, and grumbling. Look, look, believe, and live. So that's nice. That's a nice story, right? 
Turn with me now to the Gospel of John, chapter 3, would you please? Gospel of John, chapter 3. I want to show you something. Because we have another one of those similarities in John's Gospel. Find verse 14. John, Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 14. It says this. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on the pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone believes in Jesus will have eternal life. Let that soak in, okay? Similarity, okay? Something similar happened back in Numbers 21. And I just want to show you, he says, this similarity is very much like what I'm about to accomplish, okay? Again, uh, just as Moses lifted up, and I'll, I'll go over here next to the New Testament symbol, okay? Just as Moses lifted high the bronze snake, everybody who's bit, you're going to have to look and believe um, Jesus is going to be lifted high on a Roman cross. Tracking? Jesus is going to be lifted high on that cross, and everyone who's been bitten by the snake called sin, what do you got to do? You got to look to the cross, and you got to believe. You got to believe that that's God's remedy, that's God's answer, that's God's prescription for all of our sin. So um, if you've been bitten by sin today, if you've been bitten by that snake called sin, I've got bad news. Are you ready? You're going to die. You're going to die, okay? Because that, that's the truth. When you sin, we fall short of God's glory, and now you have this chasm, and oh man, we are in deep trouble. But I got good news. Are you ready? Here's the good news. Here's what Jesus did. He bridged the gap. He built the bridge to eternal life, and he did that on the cross. He did that for you, and he did that for me. Jesus literally took our place on that cross. Jesus shed his blood to cover my sin problem and yours too. Jesus took our place in the grave, literally dead, but early Sunday morning, what did he do? What did you tell me? He arose victoriously, literally, bodily, physically, for you and for me. Okay, and now we lift him high today. That's what he's saying in John chapter three. Today we lift Jesus high, and all you got to do is look to the cross and what Jesus has done for you and done for me, and believe, and believe. Go back to John 3, because there's one more verse, the one right after the one we just read. I just want to show you what comes right after that. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Jesus will not perish, but have everlasting, eternal life. Is that not powerful? Okay. Jesus says, you know what? I have a solution to mankind's sin problem. I know how to reconcile sinful man with holy, righteous God. 
It's the cross. It's what I've done for you, okay? And Moses, he did a good thing, okay? He lifted high the bronze snake, and everyone who looked at the snake and believed, what happened? They lived. But can I tell you something? That was temporary. They were going to die again, okay? But here's what Jesus did. He took our place on the cross. He literally shed his blood for our sin problem, took our place in the grave, arose victoriously. And whoever believes in Jesus will have eternal life. <laughs> that, that means when you finish your last breath on earth, breathe out with me, okay? Now breathe in. Now you're with Jesus face to face for all of eternity. That, that's, that's how death is for the follower of Jesus. Breathe out. That's your last oxygen earthly breath. Next breath in, <laughs> you're with Jesus for all of eternity. He literally took our place, was lifted high, allowed his blood to flow, arose victoriously. Okay? What Jesus did, give me your eyes, is better. What Moses did was good. That was good. Thanks for listening, Moses. Thanks for holding it high. But he was pointing ultimately to that ultimate offer of eternal life. What Jesus did was awesome. Will you look this morning to Jesus and live? Will you look to the cross and choose to live? Moses Jesus, Jesus wins every time, every time. Let's pray as we close. Have you looked to Jesus to receive eternal life? It's the most important question in life. It really is. Have you accepted the fact that Jesus took your place, my place on the cross? Have you believed that Jesus shed his blood for all of our sin, past, present, future? Have you believed that he took your place in the grave? And have you believed for you? Yes, Jesus, I believe you arose from the dead. You did that for me. Jesus is knocking at all of our heart's doors right now. I believe that. And he wants to have us willingly open the door of our life and invite him in. He's a gentleman. He's not going to knock the door down. He's not going to come into your life uninvited. But if you'll say, Jesus, I, I believe. I'm looking at that cross and I believe you did that for me. Shed your blood for all my sin, past, present, future took my place in the grave, arose victoriously early Sunday morning. And Jesus, I believe you did that for me. And right now, by faith, I receive, I willingly, excitedly, passionately welcome you in and accept you to be my Savior and my forever friend and King. Come on in, Jesus. I'm ready to say yes to you. You can do that right where you are. If you're here live in person, Jesus, come on in. Invite him in. If you make that decision, would you please make your way to the prayer corner? We want to get you off to a great start. If you're watching online, 
you can say yes, Jesus. Hit that button and say, I accept you as my Savior and Lord. And if you'll let us know, we'll, we'll have a, a direct message conversation with you, very private. But we'll even send you some information to get you off to a great start in your journey. We'll do that here if you're alive as well. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that Jesus is better. Thank you that Jesus is awesome. <laughs> Thank you for all that you are, Lord, and uh, we worship you today in your church. Thank you that we have this wonderful opportunity. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.